This is The Busyness Podcast. I'm Emily Austin, founder of London-based PR agency Emerge. I'm passionate about launching and scaling small businesses, and I've been fortunate enough to work with some of the most exciting, category-defining brands in the world. I started my own business when I was fresh out of university in 2012, and since then, the world has become louder, our expectations have become harder to meet, and our lives have all become busier. We're constantly following off friends with the stock answer we've all become accustomed to, I'm too busy. But when did being too busy become a mark of status? Why is the goal to never have any free time? And just what the fuck is everyone doing? In this podcast, I sit down with some of the most exciting entrepreneurs, CEOs and founders in the world, asking how they manage their time, their lives, their brains, and of course, their busyness, to find out how they're able to cut through the noise and create some of our favorite brands. Hello and welcome to the Busyness Podcast. This week, a very special guest, Pip Durrell, is the founder of... uh, with nothing underneath, a brand that no doubt you will have seen uh, online, on social media, etc. She's a former Tatler editor and Vogue stylist. She's really done her 10,000 hours in the world of uh, publishing and styling. Really fascinating insight. She's so likeable and uh, warm and intelligent and brilliant. It seems that many of my guests are either uh, with a child or about to have a baby or recently had a baby, which I think is really brilliant to hear from so many women who are um, going through personal advancements in their life alongside trying to run a business. It certainly gives me hope about as and when that becomes a reality for me. We talked about why she started the business. With Nothing Underneath is a uh, beautiful brand that wants to bring uh, wearable, well-fitting, lovely shirts to women. And Pip talks a lot about the barriers that she felt existed in the space and how she's really created a company that resonates with so many people. She's got an amazing network. She talked to me about how she wasn't cool when she was younger and how she tries really hard at everything. And I think that is so much of her likability is this raw and honest, relatable personality. I think if you read her CV, you would expect her to be different, but I loved meeting her um, and felt sort of instantly connected. So I really hope that comes across in this one. We talked about um, her entrepreneurial flair and how early on she realised and knew that she was going to be a business owner. She started her company in 2017, so uh, not great in terms of a run-up into a global pandemic and the world being turned upside down. So again, a very young business going into something incredibly difficult and traumatising. So we, we covered a lot of ground with that. We talked about social media and the pressure to be sustainable and thoughtful and inclusive um, and price sensitive and all the other things that customers expect from brands on day one. As I say, it's so likeable, so honest, a wonderful guest, a brilliant brand. Please do look it up and look her up. um, And I hope you enjoy this episode. Pip, I feel like we're already best friends and we've been in here precisely 30 seconds. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to chat to you and hear more about your journey. Start from the beginning. So tell me what you were doing before okay, the so idea are we on the, the business. Now? Yeah, we can be on the record. <laughs> so I'll keep it I'll keep it as brief as possible. Um I honestly have no idea why I was just got really obsessed with magazines and fashion and I was just really really in, really into them. When I, was this? What year was when this? I was like a kid. Okay, like a kid. So and so you, many years ago. Yeah, like literally a hundred years ago. <laughs> let's let's go back to when the dinosaurs were. Nineteen seventy today. Exactly. Yeah. And I was just really obsessed with glossy magazines and I, I lived in the countryside and I just would go to the hairdressers and I thought they're the most exciting thing in the world. And I know that sounds ridiculous, I just did. And was there a fave? Oh Vogue. I and was I had a, and I had a subscription that I got for my birthday and I kept every single one. And every time my, my family moved, my mum moved every Vogue in, in in all the boxes. Oh my god. I've got hundreds of them. And I was obsessed and I I don't know, there was sort of, there was quite a lot of like cultural phenomenons going on at the time as well. There was sort of Devil Wears Prada came out and you had like the hills that turned into the city. And again, you know, I just thought, oh my God, how cool is that? Yeah. Um, and what was, was it like the excitement of 
the type of the, the industry yeah. or was it sort of people look you know wearing it's, nice things I and think it, going to parties and it was all very glam I think it was all of that right because I didn't we we weren't glam at all like right. you know my parents aren't glam you know it's we're, we're chilled um and it's jeans and t-shirts and jumpers you know yeah. it's not nothing glam yeah and I think I just thought the whole thing was so exciting and then I was just so desperate to get to London, which is, I mean, honestly, I look back and I just think, I don't know who, like, who was, like, who created this weird child? Um, where, where were you from? Kent. Okay. And um, I I said, I really, please don't make me go to uni. I really don't want to go. My parents were like, well, if you do, you can defer your place because, you know, let's not put everything in the bin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I had to, I, you know, I was meant to go do history of art at Bristol and I, I, Moved to London and I got an internship at Easy Living, which doesn't exist anymore. I remember. Did you intend yeah, that? Yeah, I remember. And I, 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 we were talking about this in the office the other day, and we were going back to like, I mean, Company Magazine was like my favorite. Company and Look. I mean, Look's uh, more contemporary, but like way back when it was like I was the same. I'd buy like Miz and all the magazines. But also, we didn't have like, social media, and this is what I, yeah. I have to explain now to like, <laughs> like juniors. I'm like. You know, I knew who Lucinda Chambers was because I like saw her name every month. You I didn't like know what she looked like. Her. Yeah, exactly. You know, you don't know anything. It was the only insight into like I think a world I wanted to be a part of, I suppose. And um, so yeah, oh my god, I turned up to my first day as an intern in heels. Did you? And then this really nice lady was like, "Oh, you were quite casual here." <laughs> oh, that's so was, sweet. Well, because you'd seen, had you seen the whole oh, like yeah. people wear Uggs and then switch into their heels before they yeah, walk into totally. the office, and you were just like so bought into this. Oh, rhythm. and I just had no idea. And so um, sweet. Though. My granny lived in Putney, so I was staying with her, and it was all just, you know, I was just so excited to be there. I just thought it was the best thing that's ever happened to me. And then you went and got your um, your um, cash, like petty cash from. Yeah. Um, HR, yeah. Conan asked HR, you got a and um, from HR. Oh, yeah. yeah, like li- like a literal pound for the week, and um, <laughs> and and I was in there, and I mean I was clearly precocious, and the HR person said, oh, you know what are you doing when you finish your three weeks? And I said, oh, you know I don't know, I'm looking for the next thing, and she said, oh we've got a job coming up, do you want to apply for it? I think you could be a fit, so she gives me the job spec and it's to the PA to the publisher at Vanity Fair and I mean I honestly I I, I just can't even I don't I look back and I just think why did anyone hire me I was such an idiot and how Um, old were you you were 18 so really young yeah and um but I think in a way that like naive like that naivety just like played into the whole thing you just you weren't really I was just so grateful to be there and so excited and willing to accept 10 grand a year as a salary and literally (laughs) and um and I think also I I work well in a hierarchy. I'm really happy being bottom rung. I was, you know, just making teas, sitting in the office, listening yeah, to them Just all. soaking it all in. You were totally. just like, I want to learn. Teach me everything. Yeah. I'm and here. again, like, they were all... Because it, it was Vanity Fair, it was really American-based office. Yeah. So, you know, I thought all these American women were so cool. Yeah. And... Um, and I, I sat next to this woman called Ashley, who I'm still friends with now, um, who... Oh, she was from New York, and I, 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 I worshipped the ground she walked on, and um, and I just did that for a year, and I just soaked it all in, and it was so you, amazing. So you applied for the job, yeah, and was that straightforward? Um, I t- oh my god, I had a file of facts. What eighteen year old has a file of facts? I don't know. I think I thought that was. Were you okay? No, I think I was a bit weird. Did you have lots of friends? Yes. What were they doing? Were they all going off to you? No, that was obviously that was a joke. Were you okay? No, no but did did all your friends go off to university? Yeah, they so were, were like, they like they all on, on gap years. And honestly, I'm not. I don't mean to sound like a dick, but like I was in the cool gang. Okay, but I just did my own thing, and I always did like at junior school when everyone did dance, I did fencing. Sure. And when they did, this is like the Taylor Swift movement of like embrace your lameness, which I am so here for because I feel like as someone who was who doesn't identify as cool and wasn't cool and was bullied, I feel like it's never been aspirational for me to be cool because cool people were the ones that were mean to me. Right. And all the people I know that I really like have some sort of quirk or kind of weird interest, like, in terms of what would be considered mainstream or weird. But actually, like, those are the things that make you really, truly interesting and kind of broad-minded. Also, I think it's fascinating that if I look back on it, I'm like, there's this, there's, like, 
and there was must have been an innate self-confidence yeah because if everyone's choosing to do one thing and you age 10 choose to do another like yeah I was doing my favorite activities were woodwork and fencing well it's also really interesting when you think about the idea of I remember someone saying to me that like innately rebellion that's like the most rebellious thing you can do because all these people go and rebel by like taking drugs and drinking and and it's like that's mainstream that's literally what everyone does so in its essence that's like not to rebel whereas actually to commit to something that is totally unique and very much considered to be like social suicide 100% and yeah and I still sort of was in the cool gang and I I snogged boys and but I think I just always want I don't know I, I just really wanted to get to London and be exciting and it just there was just so much more I felt like I wanted and my parents like kudos to them they were really cool there were always boundaries in place like if you don't get a job you know we're, we're not funding yeah, there's this there's not a that pot you, of money you, that you we're do, just gonna give you if you don't get a job you're going to uni yeah um so yeah, but they let me try it. Do you think, though, that there's package that exists for someone particularly of that age where it's like, I, I as an employer know you have zero qualifications. However, as long as you're bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, you know, good to go, want to learn, will show up, will smile, 100%. like th- that's the package. Yeah. And then I, I'll teach you everything else. Yeah. And, and I think where the tension is now in the com- the broader conversation, which we can talk about later, but this idea that a lot of young people are accused of not having those qualities and it being very much more like what are you going to give me and I want to leave at five and when I did my first internship in fashion lol um it was like you didn't get paid you didn't get lunch you were first in last out and it was like you just had to say sort of thank you for the opportunity that that was me and 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 boy was I keen yeah I mean I still am I'm I'm just I was ready to give 120% every day. I was never sick. Nothing was ever too much. I would never question anything. I was just, I just really wanted to to do well. And that, I guess, is, I'm still like that now. I I just really, I, I take pride in my own work and I just really wanted to achieve something, I suppose. So you, so you mentioned a minute ago you worked well in a hierarchy. You were happy yeah. to sort of be told. But was there an entrepreneurial flair? Was there a sort of individual so. flair at that stage? I don't think so, honestly. And I and I still would call myself a company person. I like structure. I like routine. Yeah, I don't think so at all. I don't think I'm actually a very good entrepreneur. Oh. And I've I've no risk appetite. Okay. I'm what I know. I'm wildly frugal, but um, I think that has helped. Okay. So you you worked at Vanity Fair. Yeah, I did that for a year editor the publisher publisher. so I was on the commercial side and what was great for that was that I basically realized that I didn't want to be on the commercial side and I wanted to be an editorial and I wanted to be in styling and the fashion side so then I let I actually basically this is actually a kind of weird move I basically left that to go and be an intern again okay because you can't just step into the other side the fact you can't be a fashion assistant if you haven't had enough experience in the fashion cupboard so I basically went and did some internships a literal cupboard cupboard folding (laughs) clothes um so I went and did that um which again was a great experience and I think I just again like just learning I just sat there and listened to people and watched people and um then I got a job as a fashion assistant at Tatler yeah and then interestingly when I the, 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 that was when do you remember they did those rolling contracts yeah I think it was so they didn't have to pay you much but it meant after a year like they had to let you go yeah um, which was good because it meant lots of people got to come in but obviously after your year you'd be like ah and hey guys. they yeah. then offered me a job in like the main body of Tatlet and like the editorial yeah more writing copy copywriting copy editing and um so I took it because I just, you know, I just wanted a job and I wanted to be a part of it. I didn't find it very interesting, to be honest. Yeah. And then when I was there, I was there for a few years and then a job came up at Vogue, which was, you know, had always been the dream. Um, and this is so interesting. When I had been in, when I'd done my internship, um, I, Emma Elwick Bates, who um, is obviously still like an amazing journalist and st- still ama- such an amazing person, I was her intern and she asked me to do a bit of research. And anyway, I went away and I spent all weekend doing the research. Like, I mean, I came with like a sort of 20 page spread yeah. and she gave me a byline. I mean, what intern has ever been given a byline? Oh. And it was so generous of her and she was so encouraging. And then when this job came up, they brought out my intern notes and they were like, 
Oh yeah, this one. This one's a psycho. Yeah, this one is unhinged. <laughs> unhinged. Yeah. And Get um, so I got the job, and I was um, like fashion coordinator. So I was in main fashion. Yeah. Working under Lucinda Chambers, which was just unbelievable. Yeah, dream. I just learned so much again. Like still at the bottom of the pile, but just learning, and then. Did that for a few years and sort of went up to senior, you know, all those sort of things. You make those moves. And then Tatler were looking for a jewellery editor. And in fact, the editor said to me that at the time was Kate Reardon. She was like, I'd be interested if you applied. Um, and I said, well, I don't know anything about jewellery. And she said, no, but you know about styling, you know about shooting, yeah. you know, Tatler. Yeah. The jewellery bit's sort of secondary, really. Um, so I applied for that and then ended up as um and then I was jewelry and watch editor yeah it was when I had been at Vogue which was when I had started thinking about this shirt business yeah and it was so interesting because I had the idea when I was there but I was like I, I didn't want a business I didn't I didn't know what yeah. I was doing so I was 25 so I was 25 when I became the jewelry editor at Tatler yeah which is young so young but like I was just a psycho right yeah no great <laughs> I mean I was gonna say it's I guess like for someone listening who wants to get into that specific industry don't no I'm kidding um if somebody <laughs> wants to get into that industry um the I guess the advice is like you if you get in with a big publishing house you can move within it relatively easily totally still... uh, I, I have no idea how it stands now and honestly everything's changed so much you know this is this is like a really long time ago now yeah um so everything has changed but at that time especially somewhere like Condé Nast they you got known yeah. and then they were happy, they wanted to move you around. Yeah. Like they didn't want to lose you. They didn't want you to go over to Hearst. And what's the advice for someone applying? I mean, again, different time, but mm. same types of personality, qualities, presumably. I, I, I really believe it's the same thing. Of, it's the same thing now running my own business as it was when I was a PA or an intern. It's, I really just do think like nothing replaces hard work. Yeah. It's, it's all about how much you want to put in. I really, really do believe that because the graft can't be replaced. Yeah. And yes, of course, people have doors opened for them or people get places they don't necessarily deserve, but they won't stay. Yeah. They really won't. Well, I also don't know anyone. I've met lots of very successful people. Like I worked with Sarah Blakely from Spanx. I mm. worked with Whitney from Bumble and her team. I've never met anyone super successful who's a total dick. Well, and I well, I think that I think that um, you can be if you're a man, but I think yeah, that as a woman, strange. I think that we ha we're held to different standards. I mean, not that it's a bad thing. I mean, I think holding people to high moral standards is good, but it's um, yeah, it's certain it's certain the experience I had as a junior and how I was raised in the industry, I yeah. suppose. Um, but so it, no, I loved it. And does that, I guess, you know, for you, kind of paying that forward, you've got your own business now so you can choose now how how you want to the culture you want to create and cultivate and the types of people and I, I wonder if there's a sense of well my boss spoke to me like shit so now I'm the boss I'm gonna do that and, and I think and that's actually, the most toxic yeah. flow that can get into a space yeah in the same way you could say oh well I wasn't paid as an intern so I'm not gonna pay this intern. yeah I mean that's just bullshit isn't it so right. I think you have to Think how would you like to be treated, and then yeah. do it forward like that. Yeah, but yeah. So you had the idea for the business, but didn't act on it as soon as you had it. What happened no. between that time and the time of actually saying I'm going to do it? Lots of Pinterest boards. Mm -hmm. um, so I probably for about two years I sat on the idea, and I was like, mm, I think this is kind of a good idea, you know, <laughs> um, because. And what was the original idea? How, what was the, the idea sort of was that elevator pitch women's shirts at the right price and the right quality. Right. That was the baseline idea, because. Firstly, for me personally, you know, as you know, the salaries are so bad in, in fashion and I, I just, I, I, you could barely keep up with literally paying a rent, let alone like wearing nice clothes. Yeah. And also so, you get to an age where like the freebies don't matter anymore. Yeah, you can only have so many like fake tans or totally. tops from somewhere. It's like, I'd rather have the cash to buy the things I want. <laughs> right. But I think it was more about like when I was, I was still loving my job. I just, I, I couldn't dress the way I suppose I wanted to what I felt was appropriate or whatever I basically was wearing men's shirts my housemate had a boyfriend and um 
get good for her. And where, she, where are they now? They're married. Are they? And I'm godmother to their child. Okay, what a wonderful yeah, time. Yeah, super cute. I know. Oh, that's really um, sweet. I'm glad I asked that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I used to used to borrow Ed's shirts to go to work in, and everyone would always ask me where they're from, and they were from some random shop, um, like men's shirting shop. Yeah. Is and that a real shop? The yeah, yeah, it was like, but it was like a random one-off shop. I can't, I couldn't even tell you the name. It was just like random one in Fulham, I think. Okay. And um, I was like, interesting. Everyone always asks me where these shirts are from, and you know, people who are well dressed. So it's interesting that yeah. they want to know. I'm a style icon. Yeah. I, sorry. <laughs> excuse me. Um, and and then I was like, and also I've always been quite masculine in my style. Like I'm not a floral dress gal. Right. Um. And I just, I you know, I like jeans and a shirt and quite simple. So you're wearing um, Ed's shirts. So I was People wearing Ed's shirts. People were saying they look good. But also I was noting, not just for me personally, is that like when we were shooting, it was always like get a load of shirts in. And we were either shooting equipment or Gap. Okay. And if it wasn't those two, it was men's shirts. And we were recrediting them. Right, okay. And, you know, it was just ridiculous. And I just thought, this is so funny. Like, how many women in the world own a shirt? And... Why is there not a market for this? And why have we not thought about this? Yeah. And I feel like there was that big jump because you already had women's tailors. Yeah. People were already thinking about women's suiting. But like the shirts, and I know every brand does a shirt. Um, but I just thought, that, well, there's no focus here. Yeah, it's like an afterthought. Totally. And also, while I have quite an athletic figure, so I'm quite like masculine, sort of slim hips and... I have really big boobs. And that was another thing I found really hard to dress, especially in, in an industry where I had grown up during the Kate Moss era. Right. You know, I was dying to be, you Addicted know, her to heroin, heroin <laughs> chic. Sadly, for me, I really like food. So yeah. um It wasn't available. It to was you not as available a, as a theme. As a theme generally. So um I just had to sort of work out how I was gonna make my boobs work and shirts always I could, you know, just it worked for my own figure. Yeah. And so that was also like a key point. Anyway, and then I just started mood boarding and I just mood boarded and mood boarded and mood boarded. And I must have made, honestly, I'm talking thousands of images and just thought, wow, there's really something to this. And also, I'm still interested two years later. Yeah. Because I think that's a really key point is that you have to be obsessed. So there wasn't, the, there wasn't necessarily a barrier per se to you starting it it was just like you spent two years researching and refining yeah. what the business would be totally and then I think it was it was when we were when I was at Tatler and I was like quite uninspired by what I was doing that sort of left me a bit more time to be like well this is what I'm kind of passionate about yeah um and so I think that will sort of if if that if I hadn't moved into that space perhaps I would still be at Vogue being really engaged by fashion or whatever but yeah. but who knows um and then I just thought oh well this is kind of fun why don't I and I found some guy in Twickenham where I I went down there on the bus and asked him to make me a shirt I'd, I'd taken a men's shirt and I'd just cut it and pinned it and asked for the buttons to be moved and the shoulders and the cuffs and the length and everything and um but keep the body the same okay he made that for me and then I was the cost price was going to be sort of £200 to manufacture. Right. And I knew that, the, the, from, again, like, this isn't like I sat down with a spreadsheet, but just from sitting in fashion yeah, for years, like, I, knew, not work. I knew the market. Yeah. Because, I mean, that, well, then you're just competing with equipment. Mm -hmm. So what was, there's no point. So I was like, well, I have to make it £100. And I, I just spent loads of time on the internet, honestly, researching what other people made things and things like that. And then I realised everyone made everything in Porto, in Portugal. Right. And I quite literally Googled. Where is Porto? Number one. And then I Googled <laughs> like manufacturing Porto. And somehow on sort of page 365 of Google, there was a name of a guy called Jose who said he was an agent, like a sort of manufacturing agent. Okay. You were like page 365. Seems legit. I'm so, gonna ring Jose. So so I did just that because apparently I was keen to get murdered. Yeah. And he was like, meet me in the car park. No, no, seriously. Did it all fall into place? Or were there times where you felt like I can't give everything to work and my relationship and my future and sort of like grapple with these sort of huge decisions? Oh, a hundred percent. And I think that um, one thing I think is so important to share with, especially on like, you know, I listen to so many podcasts and I think there's so much around like, and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened and here we are with this amazing business. And I think that so much is missed out about, 
and this maybe sounds dramatic, but the sacrifice, like yeah. you have to be willing to give a hundred and fifty percent all the time to the business, otherwise it will not happen. Yeah. Um, my most annoying expression is like it'll just work out. And I'm like, no, it works out because I make it work out. Yeah. Because I put that time in. Because So when people tell me I'm lucky, yeah, it's I'm like, like, yeah, I'm lucky I went to an office every day for 11 years and honed my craft. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like, I, I think I couldn't have done this without James's support. Okay. Genuinely, he is the most supportive person in the world. And when I'm crying three times a week, he's, you know, he's the one there saying, you're doing a great job, keep going kind yeah. of thing. Um, you know, when... He's just so, he, he supports me emotionally with the business, you know, physically he'll be the one, you know, when we opened the store, he was the one there, like, carrying things around and helping it happen, you know, and he has a full, you know, he has a full-time job. Yeah. Um, did he, did you feel like you were having to ever, sa- not sacrifice, but sort of give less time to him? Well, did when we met, he was in the army. So it kind of worked out quite well in the way. Yeah, basically he was just gone doing his own thing. I'm really interested in this topic because I think... The balance. The balance, because I feel like a lot of my influences have always said to me, presented me with quite a depressing view, which is like, oh, you really can't have it all. And there's a lot of like, when you have a kid, your career, you know, it's done. And as someone who started a business at 22 and basically identifies my or connects my entire personality to like my ability to kind of create something of value it is terrifying to think about the idea of managing babies family all these kind of other things 100%. do you feel like it is possible and do you feel kind of confident about this next phase of i run a business but i'm having a child i feel extremely not confident okay um i think that honestly God, it, it's it's been a crazy it's been a crazy eight months, honestly, and a lot of like emotional peaks and troughs. And not, I've had a really really good pregnancy. I feel very very lucky, but um, on the business takes so much from me, and I think that, and I and I and I want to give that. I, I'm obsessed with it. I yeah. I I you know I, I live and breathe it. And my husband's really busy with his own job anyway. So you know we both respect each other's jobs we walk the dog together in the morning and we have that hour in the park together where we talk about his work and my work and um I truly don't believe it would be here without him um and we love James yeah we love James um and he um I think he it's it's the emotional support that I've needed and then you know we started talking last year about wanting to have children and we just said, oh, we don't know how this works. And then we thought, well, isn't this life? You never know how it works. I don't. I think you just have to potentially jump in with both feet. Yeah. Um, and then so it we... was a conscious decision to say, this is the next phase. But did it worry you, you know, we could get pregnant in a month or it could yes. take 18 months and, like, yes. that's kind of scary too. Totally. Yeah. Um, and I think that... Um, I spoke to a lot of people who I knew who had businesses and you know, a lot of people told me that they'd had to, you know, wait a little longer than they'd hoped and um and that you really it is a huge balancing act and I just don't know how you how you do that. Um and um while well, we're we're extremely, extremely lucky, but I mean, you know, we are not we're not having the privilege of, you know, paid help or, or whatever, yeah. you know. It's an intense intense time and my mum still works full time so you know it's it's a balance yeah of course <laughs> um and I I definitely think well the business so the business the growth has been huge but I also you know we don't have a board we don't have a lot of people ciphering off lots of money which is great which means everything gets put back in yeah. and we got to the stage where last year I was massively out of my depth on the operations production side and I knew that the next big hire needed to be essentially a COO and um, we found this amazing person, Laura, who um, came from Burberry and Roxanda and she came in a year ago and and I was really honest with her in, in our interview. I mm-hmm. said to her, look, I think I want to have a baby and so... Yeah, I so would I be looking for be. someone who would basically be coming, you know, when we're both in the office, you're, we're the yin to the yang, but also I'm just going to need another person to steady this ship at the top with me because I can't do it all. And she was great and she's got children herself, but she's sort of done with the small, she's small, a bit she's, she's ahead, a bit further yeah. ahead. And um, she was like, great, this is all good. And, and and we were really frank and it was it was such a refreshing sort of interview in a way. Everyone put all their cards on the table and said, this is what I want. Um 
And then when she had settled in, that was when I said to James, I was like, okay, I think we can go for this because I think Laura's good enough. Yeah. Um, we are very, very lucky that it happened very fast. Yeah. <laughs> Laura was like, fuck's sake. Yeah. You hide on Friday, Monday morning, and <laughs> <Literally>. an announcement. <laughs> she was like, okay, like, here oh, we go. Busy. Yes. Like, took off that week <laughs> so, last week. Yeah, so <laughs> she was like, right. And how did um, you get her from... Word, word of mouth was, I actually okay. just started talking to people I just um, people I knew in the industry I said I'm looking for um, someone who is essentially that production side because yeah. obviously my background is very much in like the press marketing yeah. um, visual creative yeah. and then obviously I'm the creative director in terms of like every piece of clothing we put out there like yeah. I've directed but I don't know enough about margins and yeah. negotiating that that sort of pr- that sort of prices and lead times and, and it can really and, sap you oh I mean, yeah it can if I mean, you spend like you're probably similar to me you get so energized and so excited by the things that you love and when you're tag tapped into those there's this amazing flow but I think particularly for me with COVID there was like three years where I did 90% of my job I hated it was just like restructuring the business and looking at making cuts and it was all financial and it was all and and like it totally stifles your freedom to actually do the things that you want to do yes and I think that was the other thing is it's just um you know staff management and all those sorts of things and that is just essentially at the top on my own and as you know people talk about it it is wildly lonely I didn't have anyone to talk to about you know everything and um and then about May last year, I was in LA directing, shooting uh, our campaign. So we're in Palm Springs in 40 degree heat. Mm-hmm. And I'm on the phone to a lawyer because we were negotiating the lease on the store. So we were we were negotiating lease terms, which I had no idea what I was yeah. doing. And Like I rented a flat a few years ago literally. and there was a lease. Yeah. And I honestly had a bit of a like mental breakdown like in in LA luckily the photographer is a, is a very good friend of mine and but I mean I just I I, I just pushed myself too far I'd yeah. reached capacity like there is a ceiling and yeah. I hit it and I just thought I can't do this anymore and actually then I me and James had a big conversation he was like I just don't think this is actually that healthy like you're you're you're, you're crazy yeah and um and we do everything on such small budgets. So, it you know, it truly is like you're doing everything from like packing the suitcase, lugging the suitcase, loading yeah. the suitcase, styling. Yeah, it's creative not Creative directing. It's not, there's nothing glam. And then also just managing the team. And, you know, the, again, like so Laura didn't exist at this time. So it was just, you know, and then production have a question for me or marketing have a question for me, you know, and you just think, I can't do this. I'm, I'm overwhelmed. It's the wearing different hats thing, I think. Like I've got friends who have very good jobs, but I always think like, you know, if someone resigns, they don't have to deal with that. They don't have to create the totally. job spec and find the person and do the interviews and work on the contract and do the offer and the benefits. Or yeah. if there's a leak in the office, they don't have to, you know, figure out how to become oh, yeah, a plumber. Literally, or yesterday hire I had the plumber out in the office. We had the plumber too, actually. So, you know, when you're just like, okay, so this is half an hour of my day as well. Yeah. So I, And I think this is the other thing is like when um, social media can be, I mean, I'm sure we're going to get onto social media, but like that's when it can be so warping because I think all I ever put up is like is swatches of materials or me walking to record a podcast. And actually the majority of the time I'm either sorting out someone's uh payroll or doing an interview or calling the plumber yeah, or on the phone to the web people website exactly people so or... it's just there's so much going on um that's not you're not putting out there and that behind the scenes is the really unglamorous part but i think but jumping i think that i basically got i hit the ceiling of my capacity then laura came in and now laura's taken sort of essentially half the business from me which is fantastic thank god yeah um and she's brilliant and, and the team's grown. I mean, when we've, I think we've doubled this year um, and the store has now been going for a year, which is great. But I mean, you know, all of this growth is fantastic, but those growing pains are huge. Yeah. And if I didn't have a husband who supported me, I think at the end of the day, um, I think I probably would have maybe could have crumbled under it, honestly. Yeah. I just think it, it's been so much and... and you know what, I think there's just, there is a lot of sacrifice that you have to give. Like, I don't have enough in the tank to, to always be going out for dinners with friends. I'm often declining. Um, I'm quite quiet socially these days. 
I mean, being pregnant is so boring anyway, but, you know, not being able to drink. <laughs> but um, I I really do ensure that I have enough in the tank to make sure this business runs. And, and you know what, at the beginning, I think it was probably passion and ego. But now I have 12 people's like salaries on my head. So, you know, yeah. they have bills to pay. And I think, you know, when we have a poor week of sales, which, you know, we're in August right now, no one in retail has good sales in yeah. August. So, um you have a poor week of sales and, you know, you're thinking, what if we have another poor week? have another poor week and what if we have another poor week and then you can wind yourself into a tizzy and then, mm. wait, I'm having a baby at the end of September. What yeah. if we have a poor September? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think you do, this is how my mind works and I do worry about that because I worry because at the end of the day, you know, I don't I don't want to lay anyone off. No. I don't want to um, jeopardise other people's lives. That's like, it's not like literal so life. <laughs> like oh my god like their job but i know what you mean but it it, i think also there's a sense of people are taking a chance on you and they sort of they're helping you build your dream and i'm i think it's really interesting what you said about the declining dinners and things because i think i'm like i feel often like i'm sort of the most anti-social social person i know but in my in my day to day in the week it's probably similarly to you there's a lot of lip service there's a lot of facetime and so for me, the weekend is recovery and you've got to really think about, OK, well, I've got a fucking wedding in three weeks. So the weekend before, I'm probably not going to, you know, I, I feel like I'm going to need that weekend to recoup or the weekend after or, you know, and I think um, I want to ask you about social media. Do you have a good relationship with social media? Oh, I think it's so complex. It's really tricky. I think my, my general nature is one of I think the best way to describe it is I take my job very seriously, but I don't take myself seriously. Yeah. Um, and, and is that easy to differentiate? Obviously, you have a different company page mm. on social. Do you feel then on your personal Instagram you can express yourself in a certain way? I think I I change week by week, and it's something you know. My, me and my friends talk about it. You know, my, more my friends they they just have their private Instagram accounts. You know, and we post our dinners and things, and it's just they use Instagram as it should be as a social tool. Whereas I'm really aware that mine's the people who follow me who don't know me because they follow because they're interested about the business. Yeah. And I love that. And, our, you know, our, our business is here because of our community and our social media base and all of that. And that is not to be sniffed at. And when people, you know, it's so funny if someone's coming in on a negative angle on social media, I can fight, I can really fight that cause. I'm like, you know, I, my business wouldn't be here without it. But on a personal level, I think it depends how I'm feeling, how my personal mood is. You know, sometimes I'm super sharing. And then other times I, you know, when you're feeling a little more fragile, you re- you retreat into yourself. And and then obviously with, with, with our baby coming, I, I, I sit in two minds. Part of me is like, it definitely shouldn't go on social media. Yeah. I don't think, I, I don't think, it, I think it should have a choice of what, what goes on the internet. And I think we should all be quite aware of, of what we're, we're doing with that. And on the other hand, I think, oh, for goodness sake, but relax. Yeah, like, I want to share this. No one cares. Yeah. Who, who, who do you think yeah. you are that anyone gives a fuck? So I think I really swing. But fantastic tool for a business. Oh, oh, I mean, this yeah, we wouldn't be here without it. Do you get into like doom scrolling and looking at, at sort of... Yeah bad stuff or things yeah we spend a lot of time driving to devon and back and you know that's like a four and a half hour drive and james always drives mainly because i'm an awful driver and no one wants to get in the car with me um and i use that time of essentially yes i'm on socials right but i'm like i've probably built out like the next three weeks of social posting and and like you know what's that next inspo or what that what's that brand doing and i think in the in one way you have to have a really clear vision um, and an authentic vision of, of your brand and who you are. And I like to think we have that at WNU. But you also need to be watching what everyone else is doing. And that doesn't mean people necessarily in your lane. I, I look at interior designers. I look at um, men, male brands. I look at, you know, I think it's just about keeping an eye on, on the on the general landscape and mm-hmm. that's what social media is amazing for yeah like travel stuff finding totally. and discovering Find, discovering and uh, models photographers yeah. next shoot locations i do all of that on socials yeah. um so so yeah i mean i you know i definitely have to try and stop when i'm like you know in the evening i'm on instagram in bed james is like read a book for god's sake i'm like this is my bible please leave me alone i know it's so bad what do you know now that would have been helpful to know when you started i think i would say to myself stop rushing 
But I think that's probably been like my general life as a whole. You know, I'd say to 18 year old me, just chill, go, yeah. <laughs> go get drunk at uni. I don't know. I was in such a rush. I look at those first shirts and they were so shit. And all our blessed family and friends who bought them. And I just think you're so sweet that you supported that. Yeah. But also, do you Straight want to land a refund? <laughs> um, <laughs> And I think I was always in such a rush. And actually, I think if you, you know, slowly, slowly catch your monkey is probably one of the best expressions. You know, I think it does ring true. Um, and I think that we've got a lot better at that. We don't rush anything. And also the power of saying no. It's an email I sent to the team and, and new year, I think I, was, I sent it on like the first day back this year. And it was just about like, you know, refocusing our minds for the year and what we wanted out of WNU and what we wanted as a team. And um you know, I said, I think the most important thing is the power of saying no. Yeah. So, like, is that material perfect? I mean, to give you some reference, you know, we, um, last year I uh, I approved a swatch. It went to bulk. Um, it's about £12,000 worth of material. Um, they cut one shirt and our factory. So the, the material comes from the mill. Right. But the factory will cut one. And then they called Maria, who's amazing. We love her. We have an amazing relationship with all our factories now. And, you know, that's five years of nurturing those. Yeah. Um, Maria said, I don't think this is right. And they sent us the shirt. And I said, no, that's absolutely not right. This is no. And we called the mill and the mill goes, well, that was the swatch you approved. And, you know, this is my, this is me. I approved it. And at which point I was like, right, well, those go in the bin. And everyone was oh, like, no. but you just paid £12,000 for that. And I, you know. I'm sure any other business owner out there knows when you have not had investment, like twelve thousand pounds is yeah, it's a, half it's your annual salary. So you're like sleepless night. <laughs> so yeah. um, and you know, everyone was like, "Are you sure?" And I'm like, "Well, the moment we start putting something that's below standard out yeah. there, like, you know, below par, then that's how you kill your brand." Yeah, it's a slippery slope. And from there. um, yeah, I talk a lot about um, standards. Saying no, I think comes into that. You have to you. You have to be able to keep that discipline. And interestingly, I think that was something that I really learned massively in Condé Nast, you know, at Vogue. Like the discipline of everyone there. Yeah. Um, and I think it's this the reason why, you know, sort of sports people do really well. Because, you know, to become a professional sportsman, you have to have such discipline, right? Yeah. Um, you can't cheat your way onto Absolutely that not. And I think it's field. the same with building a business. I think you have to know that if it doesn't if you don't do it it doesn't get done yeah. and if you don't do it to the standard you want well then you're that's the standard you're setting for your own company and at what and then you know where are you going with that yeah totally um so i think that's probably i think i think it's just about like it's like passion it's caring it's giving your time it's being disciplined yeah and then almost everything else comes around it and i'm not being self-deprecating like i was never the most talented at anything do you know what i mean i was never top of the class in anything I was always a pretty, like, rounded student, like, average. But I guess that rounding is probably why you've been so interested in so many different things and all those other influences from the types of people you've met from other pursuits or Definitely. listening to podcasts that aren't just, like, sector-specific. Probably then, in you know, that's all gone into the melting pot of enabling you to be... Totally you know, more rounded in the way that you've approached your business. And I, I've been really, I've said this in interviews before, seven and a half thousand pounds is what I had, this is what I put into this at the beginning. I've never put any more in. Okay. It's like, it's only ever, it's been a total organic growth. And I think it's really important to be clear about that. And also to be, to be clear about the fact that I had another job for the first two years. So yeah. this company's five. And I, for the first two years, I had another job. Yeah. It only started paying me in year three. I've spent a decent amount of time on TikTok in part because so many of our clients need someone who understands TikTok. But um, there's so many, and it is men, these kind of like very toxic men who are like, if you don't earn a million pounds a day, what are you doing? And it's like, whoa. And it's like the kind of school of Joe Rogan. And it's like these roided up guys who are just like... <laughs> you know, very intense, kind of almost gives like Andrew Tate vibes. And it's like this bizarre trend of people with like, you know, these big kind of graphics of like, you know, pound signs or dollar signs saying to people that, you know, if you work in sales, you should... But, you know, when you're just like, it's alarming. It's like these extremes do very well on social media. And when you're actually, and I agree with you, it's like, you want to be like, what are you talking about? And when people say, you know, and then I met this guy 
And I said, like, invest, and he invested, and now I'm a millionaire. And you're like, that's not a real story. And it's like, but those things do dominate. Like, people digest those yeah. as realities. Of course. And, and and everyone, and, you know, and then everyone goes, you know, uh, well, the best piece of advice I have is hire well. And, right, that's great if you've got the salary to pay them. As I said, like, mm. you know, we made our first big hire with Laura last year, and... You know that we it's we took so a long dumb. time we that. took a long time to get to that point, yeah. and also let's be frank. Of course, that money's coming from somewhere. Like you know, you have to you know it, if that was money I was going to take home. Well, then it's like well, you're not. That um, that's so funny. That whole like just hire well thing. So I think um, I spoke to the guys who founded um, the Modern House, and they were saying we talked a lot about recruitment, and I, I do think that when people say just hire well. It's like that girl on TikTok who was like, if you're homeless, just like get a house. And it's like, oh my God, are you okay? Like that's just, it. the hiring thing is so complex. It's budget oriented. Like when you're starting a company, you don't even know who you need. Like I remember for the first five years, I was like, what even is this company? Like, of course. What, what, am, what is my identity as a business? And obviously with an agency, it's different because it's more transient based on clients. But the people you hire on day one might not be there on day 200. And of like, course. it's so confusing and, and it's such a reductive but, way of sort of But also it's, it's, it's all about, the thing is, it's like, you've got to do everything at the beginning. And my mum did the books. I mean, and this woman works full time. What, she's an angel? And she's an angel. Um, and she did a book, the bookkeeping because I was like, I, I'm, I, that I, like I, that was the bridge too far. I was just like, I cannot do that one step. And then, you know, when we got um, bigger, she then said, look, I think this is actually getting so time consuming for me. And um, I, I hired an accountant. But ditto, you know, at the beginning, it was just, you know, I was production. Yeah. <laughs> which is hilarious. And, you know, now we have four people in that team. Yeah. Um, and... You know, we didn't have a digital team. That was, I just found a Shopify website and put some pictures in it. You know? Or we didn't have a warehouse. That was my sitting room. So, you you know, as you grow, you get more people. But, you you know, you have to grow and you have to be ready to put that money back. If you you haven't raised, you have to be ready to put that money back into it because that's the only way it's going to grow. And then, you know, I I hope we do raise. I I think I I really, I truly, truly believe. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be working this hard if I didn't. I really believe that this company can go somewhere. And I think to do that, we will have to raise. I think the key point of the brand is that fashion gets carried away with sort of well fast fashion especially it was sort of about like immediate gratification and and I think for me personally as someone who grew up in you know the countryside and um practicality and especially you live in England practicality is so key it rains all the time it's often cold it's you know we have such varying weather which I adore and I, I love the seasons and I think that fashion or style has to play into that and you know I used to look at the J. Cruz and the Ralph Lauren's and think how cool that was but essentially what they were doing is they were just doing the British better than the British and when you look at the UK ground I I just think wait but who's doing it really well for us? Yeah it's like Bowdoin with a catalogue and a cardigan and you're like that doesn't really speak to me. I know there's so many great businesses out there and you know god I wouldn't want to knock knock anyone else's of like the way they've built them but I'm don't find that's what I'm looking for. I'm like, I want that great, those great shirts. And that's how we've started. But also, you know, a great Breton tee or a good cotton knit for the summer, but with a wool knit for the winter or things like that. Those pieces that are going to last you a lifetime, but also they are going to fit with that lifestyle that you lead in, in the UK. Um, you know, I, yeah, I think, I think J Crew's done that really, really well. Um, but yeah, but the irony being that they've all lent on the prep yeah. that came from the British in the first place. So yeah. I just think that's what I want to be doing here and like really lean into that. Into... Yeah. And also I think that everyone's trying to be French and cool or American and like, you, I think everyone wants or to Sophia be something Ritchie. else. Right. Whereas actually like there's so much greatness about the, the, the British heritage yeah. and, you know, plaids and tartans and... um and using art wool from here and there's so much here yeah. and I really want to play into that as a business and that is what excites me and I think that's where I want the growth to go. Do you feel proud of what you've achieved so far? I do, you know. Someone said to me the other day, 
what do you define success as? And I think it's about exceeding expectation. I never thought that I would get to Vogue. I never thought that I'd start a company. I never thought the company would be, I suppose, quote unquote, successful. I never thought I'd marry someone like James. I never th- I never thought I'd, I'd end up with someone as amazing as my husband. I never thought that I'd be lucky enough to get pregnant so you know so so quickly and you know touch wood. Um, I'm really excited for that next bit. But I think that maybe I just came in with really low expectations. But I do feel really lucky. I do, and I think that half of that you know you don't you don't work hard on finding the right your right your soulmate. No. I, I think that's luck. So there's a gratitude there from you of oh, and I'm so grateful. Yeah. I'm like almost pathetically grateful. I think that's title of your book, Pathetically Grateful. That'd be lovely. (laughs) No, I think that's great though. I think there's there's a lot of rubbish, I think, around like practicing gratitude and talking to yourself in the mirror. And like, I don't find these things like practical. They don't speak to me. I'm like, are you you unhinged? (laughs) But I do think that there is an element of, um, you know, like I don't think as Brits and as women we're like self-congratulating and nor do I think that should necessarily be the goal but I think to be like filled up by the things that you have in your life that are are good is very important. I would say the support is threefold for personally there's James there's my mum and then there's my girlfriends and my girlfriends are my school friends you know we have the same group and they are they are the biggest cheerleaders and they love WNU and they are the ones who are supporting me, but also they're the ones who I cancel dinner on and they're the ones who totally get it. And they're the ones who, when I'm like, I'm knackered and I can't do this or when I'm... They'll be breastfeeding your child. Literally. I'm like, anyone wants to help look after a baby. (laughs) Um, And um, they all think it's hilarious. I'm having a child. Those guys are... Again, like they're just they're just cheerleaders, and yeah. they go like, "You're doing amazingly. This is great." And you know they don't have to do that. No. And, um, yeah, I think that's been that's been huge. How do you keep learning? I was reading someone wrote the other day something about it's running a business is like being on the spaceship that is literally hurtling through space, but you're also trying to build it at the same time. And I was like, I have never had anything more accurate. That's what <laughs> I, I remember some, my dad used to say, you build the plane as it flies. Oh, same type uh, of, yeah. Literally. And um, I honestly just don't think you have any choice. I mean, you I just try like and, strap in. I try and uh, strap in, buckle up, cowboy. Yeah. The... Um, I try and re- I try and you know do the baseline of like reading books, you know, especially when it comes to finances. I've really tried to Im- improve my own financial literacy. Yeah, I didn't know what a P and L was until like two years ago. You know, here we are. Um, <laughs> it's quite concerning for everyone. Um, but then, I, I think there's so much that I've had to learn around being a team and, um, and growing that team and being the leader of a team, mm. but also understanding my own capabilities within that. And I think there's definitely an aspect of me that's like slightly too emotional, which I don't think is a bad thing. And I lo- I hope my team would say that I'm a kind boss because I really care. I truly, I truly sit in bed at night going, oh, I'm just worried about so-and-so. I don't know if yeah. they're happy. And 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 James is like, well, <laughs> I, I don't know, darling. <laughs> um, it's like but, it's too him. <laughs> <laughs> but I... I really care about them all and, you know, I genuinely, the team are amazing. These are young, passionate women and they are, they all give so much and they are very talented, but also they're bloody hardworking. Like none of these girls are here to fuck around. Mm -hmm. And when people say to me, oh, these millennials, I'm like, well, half of them are 25 and and they're working harder. You're like, that's not my experience of the women I work with. They are incredible. And, um, but I think I've really had to learn, you know, how 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 I lead. How do I? I have to learn. I have to learn how to be the boss of the company, mm. and how I, you know, improve. Like let's say how I improve as a stylist, how I improve as a creative director, how I improve um, when I look at financial spreadsheets, and I we and Laura and I go, how are we mapping this? Mm-hmm. Um, but then also learning how to nurture them in their roles and. Um, but a few weeks ago, we were having our summer party, and um, I honestly just had a bit of a 
a bit of an emotion. I, I I think I was just really, really tired. We'd been shooting a week and I was knackered and I just, I was totally overwhelmed. And I was just, woke up in the morning, burst into tears. I was just like, I just don't think I can do this full stop. <laughs> and and I just, you know, and at the moment I'm sort of then thinking, I don't know how I do the baby and I do this job and I just can't do anything and I haven't seen my friends for ages. And James is like, here we go again. <laughs> yeah, James is like, okay. Tuesday, perfect. <laughs> no, he literally had to miss a meeting. He was like, he had to email, because I like couldn't stop crying and I think he was like, I don't think I should leave. And It was just um, like, you were just overwhelmed emotionally. Totally yeah. overwhelmed. And we had... The next day was meant to be our summer party and we um, we were hosting them all at our house for a barbecue and I just couldn't get it together. I emailed the team and I just said, I'm not feeling very well. I'm really sorry. I've booked you a table at this restaurant and they all went out and they had an absolutely lovely lunch. And How did you feel whilst that lunch was happening? Fine. I think I was just really happy they were having fun and um, they were texted and said like, they're you know, I, I didn't expand. I just said I'm not feeling feeling good. But I think and, you know, now, you know, we, we are, I do try and be quite open with them because, again, I, you know, I'm not a machine. And I and I it was I basically just took two days off, which I've honestly never done. I just needed it. I just couldn't quite pull it together. Mm. And, you know, when you just keep crying and you yeah. just think there's nothing I did to work crying yeah. about. There's nothing wrong. Yeah. Um, and. Actually, I think they had a wonderful... And, you know, the other thing is it was weighing on me and I and I was saying, you know, but I, I've said to them that we'll have them for a barbecue and, and they're all really yeah, looking forward to, to it. And, 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 and yeah. I really want them to have a really nice special treating day and all those sorts of things. And that's when... Um, and actually a friend lives on my street um, who's got a baby and I, I bumped into her in the street and then burst into tears on her. Oh. And she was like... And I said, you know, I'm meant to be having them all over. And she said, look, you can't do everything. You've clearly hit capacity. Book a table at a nice restaurant. Yeah. And they'll be fine. They'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And and they were. But I think sometimes you can't see the wood from the trees. And totally. I think that's being a leader is going, okay, where's my capacity? Yeah. How much can I do? And then t- I took those two days. I rested. I took stock. And then I was back in the office on my best form. Yeah. So and I nothing think... nothing fell apart. Nothing fell away. apart. And, I, and no one thought that I was being a dick. Um... But again, I think it's quite a female thing. Like, I care massively what people think about me. <laughs> but you know what? I think it's... My dad said to me, you should care a lot about what a few people think. Yeah. And I think that's true. Like, I, it's important to care that your husband's proud of you and that your friends think you're doing well and that you're a good friend. I think, you know, potentially people you've never met on social media less. So, But I do think it's important. I, you know, there's a lot of literature and podcasts about, like, how not to give a fuck and, like, how not to care. And I'm like, I give, I give like, a lot of fucks about a lot of things. Like, I care a lot about being good at my job and being present and coming with ideas. You know, like, I don't... I don't want to not give a shit about that. Well, stuff. and it's this, and it's this, um, you know, that thing that just came out with Jonah Hill using um, therapist speak with his girlfriend. Yes, because I think therapist speak has started to like knock back on, you know, when people are saying, you know, for my self preservation, I'm going to do this, and essentially you're allowing yourself justifying bad behavior by saying it's self protection. Yeah, and at what point does that become negative? Because actually, at the end of the day, you 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 should care about everyone else. Yeah, <laughs> you should care about yourself, but you also need to care about other people. Yeah, and I think that sometimes there's a line. I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree. I think also when you run a company, there's a responsibility of like I still find it funny some of the juniors when I meet with them. I've got a team of twenty five now, but sometimes they come oh in and God. they're like a bit nervous, and I'm like, I'm gonna level with you. Like I'm not wearing a bra. Like it, you really don't need to like gas yourself up to come in here. But you know, I guess I am the boss to yes, them, and, yeah. and you sort of it's like how you identify, and because I'm in the business every day and I'm with my team, and I don't promote that hierarchy in the sense of like I'm not a sort of shouting at people and all that kind of stuff imagine um but it's sort of like funny to me how they still have that innate sense and it's like I would never I would be if I was having a conversation with one of my team in which I told them they'd done something shit and they needed to do better I would never put a meeting on a Friday in the diary for Monday because they're gonna shit their pants all weekend do you know what I mean? It's just like, because it's thoughtful. It's like when a client yeah. used to email me on a Friday going, can we have a catch up on Monday? I'd be like, we're getting fired. Fucking perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just ruin my weekend. <laughs> I'm like, no, can you just call me now? It's like some, a boy texting you being like, hey, can you like 
talk later. It's like, oh my God, we're absolutely going to talk now. Can you imagine? Yeah. No, that's literally gives me anxiety. I actually, you know, what's so funny is that um, I had to say this to Laura, and this shows actually why I'm such I'm such an utter right. She should just say, "Are you free to chat?" And obviously, I'm thinking Res- resignation. Well, the the fucking house is burning down, uh, okay. or whatever. And then she'd be like, "Oh, um, I just need you to sign off that swatch or whatever." And, and I'd be like, "Laura, please, can you give context to your text? Yeah, yeah, I do that now <laughs> because you're too. stressing me out so much. Someone in my team does that. He goes on Slack. He'll be like, "Hey, have you seen the email?" Oh, and I'm like. No, but I'm assuming it's awful. And it's like, no, we won the pitch or something. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to level with you. Like, never send me that message because this is what happens in my brain. Um, So the podcast is called The Busyness Podcast. Um, Everyone's busy. Productivity has become a bit of a sort of gold standard for people. Um, If you had an extra hour in the day, what would you do with it? Sleep. (laughs) <laughs> no uh it can be no. sleep and by the way i'm on i am that person who like sleep is sleep is the answer i i have to have so much sleep I'm i like respect a, that so I'm much like a 10 hour a night gal yeah so not sure what's happening but like very baby. affected by not having 10 hours presumably yes what's next in six weeks time a baby <laughs> you've got full like birth plan do you um have a have you decided on a, an, an amount of time off work so this has been probably i i think actually this is a really good again like i don't think there's that much discussion around this around owning a business as a woman and having a child because there just isn't such thing as maternity leave there just isn't no. and i think i feel quite judged by that people it's so funny you just see it in their faces they're like you know as someone said to me the other day the only thing a baby needs is love and i was like well of course, but it also needs the Money. mortgage to be paid, yeah. and it needs a roof above its head, and, and a happy mom and dad. It and... needs, yeah, it, it it needs us to go to work because we're sadly not in a position where mm. this is an option, and also in the way that I'm still so integral to the business, there isn't someone I could just put in as a maternity leave because mm. that doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, as I said, like we've you know we've really teed up, we've teed up the team well, we've teed like Laura's prepared for it. My house is also in Battersea, so house and office are really Great. near. So I think Laura's just going to be coming to my house for weekly catch-ups. Do you, um, have you said I'm going to be off for three months or a month or a week or two I've years? i said or... I'm not going to go to the office for three months. Are you secretly, like, ideally labour on a Friday, baby on Saturday, on, my, on emails on Monday? I would honestly, gen- gen- genuinely, I would love to be able to be like, I'm going off for three months and just to take stock. You know, I've, I've got lots of friends with babies and I know how hard it is and I'm not underestimating that. Um, and I think I'm actually in a, I'm in a good place with the whole thing now. But I definitely was at a stage where I was like really worried of how this was going to cope. Yeah. And, you know, if someone's, someone literally said to me, the business, you just leave the business for three months. I was like, are you insane? Do you, yeah. Was it, that's just it's like, that's how- someone who doesn't run a business yeah. giving you advice that, that just doesn't work the baby's going to be the focus it's not like I have any childcare or anything you know it's yeah. going to be me and the baby at home I'm going to be having touch points you know I, I, I still sign off every yeah. ad post um, you'll probably want mailer. to as well you'll probably so, want to like yeah. engage your brain it just means we've just had to streamline everything in the way that um, everyone's got to have everything prepared so let's say it's got to be in a folder on a Tuesday that gives me from Tuesday to Thursday morning to have approved it they then have Thursday to make edits and it can be live by Friday so we're just we've put that structure in place now with five weeks to go and um and we're going to work off that but again like I think I've just had to make this up and you, you don't really it's really hard to f- speak to anyone else. You know, I've definitely spoken to other people who have businesses and babies, but that, you know, most of them have got childcare. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, of course, you know, once it's older, it's going to go to nursery, but... Um, Not for I the also first. say it because I don't I know, know the gender. I knew you were going um, to say that. Because otherwise people are like, what? Um, yeah, we don't You're know. You're raising it genderless, it's obviously. <laughs> so, James is thrilled. So, um, yeah, so we... Um, so yeah, I keep calling it it, and I think people think that's really like dehumanizing. But um, yeah, but you kind of you can't really settle he on or it. she, yeah, he or she. Um, so they, them. so yeah, I think I, this podcast has come as a really really interesting time. Um, I also haven't talked really much about the pregnancy, uh, even though I'm really on social media. I haven't really, I only just sort of put it on there this week actually. So I think people have only just found out I'm pregnant. 
with a few weeks to go. So um, it has been a really challenging time, I will not lie, but it's definitely, I I chose this. Yeah. And I'm excited for this. And I love my business and I love, and I'm excited that to work out how I'm going to make them both work together. Yeah. Well, I, I think, think is essentially a, the summary. Hugely, hugely inspiring and positive attitude. Um, I don't know. I know, I do. I really <laughs> I think it is. In three months' time, being <laughs> like, so. <laughs> so we're winding up the business um, and James has left me. Um, no, seriously, I'm, sorry, no, I'm just okay, hanging out. <laughs> um, I'm so grateful for you taking so much time to talk to me. We've wildly gone over the allocated time. I don't, so I don't know, but it could be 4pm at this point. Um, but Thank you your, so much. So wonderful and refreshing and I think lots and lots of people, women in particular, will be hugely grateful for your honesty because you're you speak in such an accessible, kind way about issues that have been overcomplicated in many other spaces. So thank you very much. No, I'm honestly I, I feel so grateful to be here. Everyone else on the roster. Uh, all the people I really look up to, so I can't believe it. Um, thank you. It's been really fun. <laughs> Thanks so much. 